Father, we thank you for the desire that we have meets the desire that you have. And that is that our city is changed, that this community is transformed. The rub comes into our level of commitment. You're fully committed, God. You just need a group of people that are fully committed. And I pray today that you'll get that group of people. We'll say, Lord, whatever it is that you've called me to do, however it is you want me to affect my family, my city, this county, I'm all in, Lord. I'm yours to be used in whatever way, shape, or form you desire to use me. My life is a blank check. You fill in the blank. So, Lord, we know that the good life, I know this for sure. I know it without a doubt. The good life is the submitted life, the life that is, that is all in, cashed all in for Jesus Christ. That's the good life. And this city has a history of darkness, but it's breaking. It's breaking. And light is shining and you are pouring out, oh God. I don't know why it took so long. If there were people in the past that, I know there have been people who have been praying for what we're experiencing for years and years and years. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, pour out. We, we love the mercy drops, but we want the flood. We want the flood. May your kingdom increase in me, in us, in this city, in this church. I pray that your manifest presence will be here today amongst us. You do a mighty work in us, through us, and in this community. We give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. January is named after the God, the Greek God, Janus. J-A-N-U-S. Janus, Janus is a God, made up God, obviously, with one head faced one way and one head faced the other way. Looking back and looking forward. And so, uh, I'm glad I don't worship some made-up God. I'm glad I don't worship some, some figurine with two heads. <laughs> but I worship the God who is the beginning and who is the end. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. So what that fake God is looking at, He is. Amen. He is the one true God. I want us to consider this business of looking back. And looking forward. In Luke chapter 9, verse 37, 57, it changes everything when you put glasses on. It's 57. <laughs> In Luke 9 and 57, uh, we have some people who are considering walking with the Lord. And uh, Jesus is going about his earthly ministry and he is, he is shaking up things and uh, changing concepts and understandings. And uh, in verse 57, one comes up to him and, and says, I'm going to follow you. Let's read it. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. 
I remember, I remember when that was my declaration. I remember walking down the aisle of that little country church and, and it happened to be that there was a song that was playing as the invitation hymn that day. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. And I walked the aisle that morning. My, my wife didn't even know I was going to do it. I shocked her with saying, I'm submitting my life fully to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. And so here's, a, here's someone who comes up to Jesus and says, wherever you go, I go. And Jesus says, I don't know where we're going for the night. <laughs> Basically, now I know that he is the incarnate God and he is omniscient. But he says, we don't have a bed for the night. You good with that? He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You good with being homeless? So for three and a half years, he just traveled by backpack, basically moving from house to house, village to village, town to town. And, and Jesus says, I want you to count the cost before you make that commitment. I don't know if you were sold a bill of goods when it comes to your salvation. I know there's some pretty high pressure salesmen out there. What's it going to take to get you in this salvation today? You know what? And they can give you, I mean, all the bells and whistles. And they say, oh, man, it's just going to be wonderful once you get saved. Uh, I'm going to tell you, that ain't what I experienced. <laughs> That's not what I experienced. I mean, when I got saved, uh, I was just a kid. But when I really got serious about the Lord, it got tough. It got tough. Why? Because there's a real devil and he really wants to keep you under his control. And so it's a fight. And so Jesus said, I need you to count the cost before you commit. I think what's really wrong with most churches today is that we are under-challenged. Let me give you three points to a better life. Let me give you uh, five ways to, to, uh, to have uh, fulfillment and meaning. I won't tell you the way to have fulfillment and meaning. You live it completely committed to Jesus Christ. That's how you have fulfillment and meaning. And so I think we're under-challenged and Jesus, he didn't undersell what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. He said, you're going you're gonna to have to count the cost. Verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Well, that seems fair enough. So it's a little disturbing when you see what Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Man, that's cold right there. The fact of the matter is his dad wasn't dead yet. He's saying, one of these days, my earthly commitments will be done, and then I'll follow after you. One of these days, I, 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 will, I will be freed from that commitment, and then I'll commit to you. Jesus said, if you're not really, really ready to commit now, you probably never will, because I know this. I remember when I did walk that aisle, and, and uh, I said, Lord, I'm committing to ministry. Uh, I also remember some buts that came in there. But you know I got a wife. But you know I got to make a living. But you know I got, and, and so what you'll notice in these passages of scripture that they keep butting in. <laughs> but I got this and but I got that. And, and, and I want you to notice two words in verse 59. You'll see it again in verse 61. Me first. And that's the problem. I want to put me first. So, but let me first, look in verse 60 uh, or 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let, what's the next two words? Me first. Me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. 
Now, it sounds fair enough. I mean, it would be rude to, to, to not uh, go back. I mean, you got guests in your home. No, th- this is not the kind of uh, thing that we're seeing here. He's saying, I've got other commitments that I need to break free from. And, and so when souls are done, I'm going to tell you something. He is our commitment. Amen. He is our commitment. And so he says this, verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having put his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? Are we talking about agriculture now? I mean, we don't usually plow much anymore with oxen or with horses. I have. I don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, but now, if you're not familiar with tractors, what you'll notice on tractors, most tractors, farming tractors, will have a hood ornament. And it ain't for decoration. It's like the side on a gun, and you are to mark where you're plowing to, and you find it a fence post or whatever at the end of that field, and you put your side on that, and you go straight, and it gives you a good straight line. That's nice. I always thought that I could grow more on crooked rows in my garden, but uh, good farmers take pride in their straight line. But no, we're not talking about agriculture. We're talking about a life following Jesus Christ. And he says, you keep your eyes on me. Set your eyes on the Lord. And if you continue to look back, he said, I'm the straight and narrow. So what he's actually saying to us is that we need to forget anything that distracts or deters or directs me away from him. That I need to forget those things that are behind and press forward. Let's look at that passage of scripture. It's in Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, and this is written by a man named Paul. And Paul was one who has committed his all to Jesus. His previous life, he was very successful. He was a scholar of scholars. He was uh, amongst the Jewish religious types topping his class. He was so zealous by his own testimony, was so zealous that when this little pop-up sect of religious people called The Way popped up, he was going to eliminate them to fulfill his Jewish duties. That The Way is now known as Christianity, and, and he was one who actually imprisoned and even killed Christians Verse 12 says, not that I've already attained, by the way, let me, before I jump from that nice statement into this, let me just tell you, he had an experience in which he said, I am fully committed to Christ. From being committed to his former religious ways to being committed to Christ, he says in verse 12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected. How many of you would testify I ain't what I need to be? Amen. I'm not what I need to be, but I'm not what I was. <laughs> Amen. And he said, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Do you know God put his hand on you for a purpose? He laid hold of you for a purpose. He created you for it and called you to it when he called you to himself. When Paul, this very one, had his salvation experience, he was on his way to go persecute more Christians. When he had a 
face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ himself and the glorious one blinded him and he said, who are you, Lord? Jesus says, I'm the one that you're persecuting. And then he said this statement, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. I, I used to train horses and uh, sometimes I'd get horses that kick and uh, that's a dangerous thing. Uh, you you got to get that out of them as best you can. So uh, the way I would train a horse to quit kicking is I'd try to make them kick and kick and kick and kick. And I would, I would put a, a lead line behind them as I'm plow raining them. And so kind of going back to the put your hands to the plow, I would put this line behind them. And they'd kick and kick and they would be so tired of kicking. And I would, then I would, I'd want to make them kick. And then finally they're like, I don't want to kick no more. I don't want to kick no more. And you get it out of them, hopefully. <laughs> But you still don't walk behind him. Paul is, he has an encounter with Christ and Christ says, it's hard for you to kick against the goad. Now, I told you that I, plant, I plowed with oxen one time. It was just at a, a little demonstration thing. And how, of course, with horses, you push them. It's a little harder with oxen. What do you have? You have a goad. It's a sharp stick and you poke them. And you poke them, and, and, that's, and that's what the illustration that Jesus is saying. Paul, I'm trying to direct your life, and you keep fighting against me. I'm trying to direct your life, and you keep fighting against me. But at that occasion, on that day, Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ, and Jesus himself said, this is what I've called you to and what I've created you for. You're going to spread the kingdom of God. You're going to, all of the known world, you're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And they're going to come to know Christ through you. On the day of his salvation, he committed the ministry. I hope that on the day of your salvation, you committed to, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm all in. Let's keep reading. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I ain't there yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Very similar thing to what Jesus says, I'm not looking back anymore. Why are our car windshields this big and our rearview mirror this big? Because if you want to live about life by looking back, you're headed for a crash. That's why. Paul says, I'm going to look forward, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I don't know if you can get the mental picture here that Paul is, is, is giving us, but this reaching forward is like by any way that I can get myself forward. I, I'm, I'm, I'm striving for the goal. I'm pressing forward. I press toward the goal for the prize. What is the prize? It's Jesus. And the more you get a Jesus, the more you'll know he's the prize. Amen. The closer we draw to him in intimacy, we'll find out how little the world has to offer. Says I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Truth is that this world can get a hold on you. 
Things in this world, things in our lives could get a hold on us. And we can, we can, become, we can become bound to things. Physically bound to things with addictions and, and, and things such as this. To anything. Things can become habitual. Anything. Because our flesh li- likes, uh, so, for instance, we have routines. Everybody like routine? You ready to get back into routine? Everybody in life right now is like, I'm ready for some routine. Even if it's a job, I'm ready for something to be the same every day. Our flesh likes this. And so, but, but sometimes in that process, things can get a hold on us. And sometimes the, the, the physical holds are there, but there's also spiritual holds that want to, to pull you back or bring you down. There are ways, there's a spiritual way to break some of these holds. It's been forgotten in most churches. It was, I, I never heard of this growing up in church. Uh, the first time I tried to fast, I was in the ministry and they said, you know, fasting is really a way to, I don't even remember what they told me it was going to help me with, but they're like, oh yeah, it's really good for you. Fast. I never wanted breakfast so much in my life on that day. I mean, normally I wouldn't even think about it, but that day, oh, I want some breakfast. Lunch, I'm starving. I felt like my large intestines were eating my small ones. My backbone was rubbing a hole in my belly button. I was, I was so hungry, and they were like, oh, man, the word will just come out uh, alive to you. And I remember I'm, I'm trying to read the Bible, and at supper time, I'm thinking I'm going to die. One day, I, I'm not going to make it, Lord. I'm going to fast on my way to heaven. That's how I'm going to get there. That's, and, and so I don't know why it was so hard that time, my first time, and that how now I could go 21 days without food. I don't, I don't know how. I think one of the reasons that it helps now is because many of us do it together. But what I do know, and that in my time of fasting, there are things that, I've been fighting against that fall off. I I just get the victory over those things. Because in fasting, what I'm doing is I'm telling my desires, you will not rule me, I will rule you. My, my, My physical desire is to feed this flesh. But I tell my desires, no, I will tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. Everybody with me? And in fasting, I will forsake the physical in order to gain the spiritual. And so I know uh, that the whole sermon is not on fasting today, but I do want to just give you some tips and pointers as next Sunday we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so it, maybe you've never done it before. I, I can tell you from experience, my first time, I thought I would die. You won't. You won't die. But what I would encourage you to do is, is just fast some way, shape, or form and see if I'm not telling you the truth. But what I would like to do, because I've had some people say, well, I'm going to fast sugar. Well, that's, that's good, but that might be a good dietary choice. But fasting is when you lay aside something of your flesh and pick up the word of God in prayer and, and gain the spiritual. You with me? So I would rather encourage you to, instead of not eat sugar for 21 days, maybe you should do that anyway. But to maybe miss breakfast. And instead of breakfast, the time that you spent eating breakfast, spend with the Lord. Spend with the Lord and see what you won't gain from that. 
And then maybe you say, man, I did that. That was pretty, I can, I can do that. Well, maybe breakfast and lunch. And then instead of going out to lunch and spending the $15 a day it takes to eat in this town or, or the, the hour that it takes you to do it, that you just spend that time sitting in your car with the Lord and see if he won't show up in the cab of your pickup truck. And what you'll notice is that the things that have bound, have bound you and had a hold of your life will lose its grip through the act of fasting. And so if you've never considered it, I would encourage you to consider it today. I want you to look, to look with me to Isaiah chapter 43. Several years ago, I felt like the Lord gave this verse to this church. Now, I believe that this was God speaking to this church. Since then, I believe that God is speaking this to this generation, not just to this church. So Isaiah 43 and 18 says, do not remember the former things. Remember what Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Remember what Jesus said, if you lay your hands to the plow and look back, you're not fit to be a disciple. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Amen. God is declaring he will do a new thing. But if we keep looking back, you're going you're gonna to miss your new thing. You're going to miss your new thing. If we keep looking back and say, you know, those sins that I used to commit. See, we are supposed to forget that stuff. And it's easy to understand. Yeah, those sins that had me bound, I need to forget those and move forward. But you know what else we need to move forward from? Those successes can also have you bound. I would live for the Lord, but man, I got a good career, and it's hard to say no to that. I'd live for the Lord, but I, man, the, the money that I'm making now, I just can't turn down. I, I just need to keep doing this. You know I got a family to take care of, right? You know I got commitments, right? Here's what the Lord said to me when I said, Lord, if it was just me. And then come kids, Lord, you know, now I got a wife and a son. He said, you can trust me with your family. You can trust me with your family. Do you know what? He's proven to be true. He's exactly right. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him with those previous commitments because when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all those things will be added unto you. That's a promise from Jesus' lips himself. And you have done it today. Congratulations. The first day of the week, the first day of the month, the first day of the year, you are here seeking the Lord. And I want to congratulate you for that. I bless you because of your seeking the Lord on January the 1st of the new year. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Old, I will, behold, I will do a new thing. I love the book of Revelation where Jesus declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he goes, I, behold, I make all things new. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that all who are in Christ are a new creation. The former ways have passed away. Behold, all things are now new. New. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. And the word there, spring forth, is a literal word like water springs. It will spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Now we know that God is the God who can bring a river out of a rock. He is the God of the miraculous and he can bring water in the desert. And he literally did that in the physical. But do you know what he's talking about here? It's not physical water, it's spiritual water. It's spiritual water because even in the next chapter it says, uh, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on my dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. That new thing that he declared in Isaiah 43, we are in it right now. We are in it right now. And it's not a new thing necessarily. It's actually began 2,000 years ago, but it might be new to you. It might be new to the city. The, the, the bursting forth of the waters. And we know that the waters that he's speaking of is the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus met the woman at the well. And he says, if you're thirsty, you need to drink from me. I'm the living water. In you, all who come to me, in them will dwell up water, living water. And then in John chapter 7, at the great feast in which they were celebrating water, He says, if you're thirsty, come to me. And he said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. And so his blessings will rain on us, and then they'll well up in us when we receive them. But if you're obedient, they will pour through us. It says in John chapter 7, if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll, and, and I'll give you living water. And they will, they will flow from you. And then it says the next verse, he spoke thus concerning the Holy Spirit. Y'all know water's powerful. Water's one of the most powerful forces in nature. I don't know if you've ever, I, I remember growing up in the great metropolis of Bethel, Texas, five miles north of here. And uh, we had a creek that run through the back pasture. I remember we had like 79 acres and then dad bought more land and more land. But there about midway through our field, there was a, a creek. Now, Part of it was spring, because I remember getting on my hands and knees. You know, you kind of got to make sure you get closer to the beginning of the spring, because this is a cow pasture. (laughs) And so there's little landmines. And so I don't want to get right where it comes out of the ground. I remember getting on my hands and knees and just drinking water out of the ground. And I probably got a little, I'm full of it, actually. I know that I... (laughs) Mama got a a picture of me sitting in the cow pasture when I was a little guy. I just eating it. I just... I've been told I was full of it. <laughs> Started early. <laughs> but I remember we had water springing up out of the ground, and I'd get down there and get me a drink of water. But I also remember when a good rain came, and that little old trickle of a creek became a raging flood. And I was always told, you don't get down there in that water. Now, a little country kid, man, that looks like fun to me. But then I saw what it was doing as it was flowing through. One time I was in a river, I was in Arkansas, me and my buddy, Stephen, who's in the hallway right now. And we were in that river and all of a sudden, it felt like it was getting cold. It's getting cold. Why did the water just start getting cold all of a sudden? And then what we recognized that we were playing, messing around with the rocks and all of a sudden it just seemed like it was rising a little bit. And then a woman come running down the riverbank, get out of the water, get out of the water. 
They opened up the floodgates. Get out of the water. Well, I'm on the opposite side of the river. He had already gotten out. We always knew he was smarter than me. And I, I was just messing around. And then so when she comes screaming, I come swimming as fast as I can. But by that time, the river was raging. And there was rocks across the river. I don't know why they put these rocks across the river. But I remember pushing my feet up against those rocks, trying not to get swept over them. And then I finally broke free and just swam my guts out until I got to the bank. Let me tell you something. Fighting the flow is exhausting. It's hard to kick against the goad, Paul. I'm trying to direct your life, Paul. It's hard to fight it. Fighting the flow is exhausting, but finding your flow is exhilarating. Because I've had some river rides since then. Man, that's fun. When you're river rafting, the thing that you want to do is just stay in the flow. Because you can get caught in that backwater and that thing, you just sit there all day long looking at minnow buckets and worm boxes and beer cans and you can sit over there in the cesspool or you can get back in the flow of things and it's exhilarating. It's exciting. So I want to encourage you God created you for and called you to a purpose. And you can fight it. It'll be exhausting. You'll mess out on so much of life. Or you can find your flow. And you can go with the flow. And what I mean by that is find out what God created you for. And what he's called you to do. And you will find these rivers of living water will flow not just through you, but out of you into other lives it'll transform your family it'll transform this city it'll transform this community let the lord do this new thing do not remember the former things nor to consider nor consider the things of old behold i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it i hope that every one of us knows it by experience the new thing that god wants to do in our lives that God wants to do in this church. Last January, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I, to be real honest with you, I, so I get away the last week of the three weeks. I get away and I spend time seeking a word from the Lord and a vision for our church. And, and last year, man, I just remember it was a struggle. Just that, that third week in which things were the previous year, man, it was just ex- exciting because God was just downloading vision and uh, I just knew it was going to be something amazing and man, it was, wasn't it? But this last January, I was just like, man, it's a, it's a struggle. I don't know. I don't know why, but there's, there's some just almost this feeling of you're just going to have to endure this year. The vision hadn't changed. You continue to do what I called you to do. But almost a sense of you're just going to have to press through and press on this year. However, now we are in the new year. And I can tell you with all honesty, the excitement has been building up in me. And it ain't no hype. I believe God's about to do a new thing. And an amazing thing. And I believe you're all going to know it. But the amount of it you get on is in direct 
correlation to the amount of commitment you make. The amount of commitment you make. You you get what you give. This morning as I was, was thinking about this message, I was reminded of when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fishes. If you remember, he did two separate occasions. One, he fed 5,000, one, 4,000. And then one occasion, had five little loaves of bread. They were probably a little, almost like pancake size. Five little loaves of bread and two little fish. And, and he said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And when they gave it to him, he blessed it. And then it multiplied and blessed everybody else. If you won't give it to him, he can't bless it. If you won't, he ain't going to bless what you don't give him. It don't work that way. You place it in his hands. And I pray that you're here this morning saying, Lord, the year 2023, I'm giving it to you. You bless it. My, I'm committing this year to you. I'm all in. I am your disciple. I will follow you no matter what the cost. Because if it costs me everything, the everything that I get back will be even greater than what I gave. The promise from the Lord. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I pray that you would. You would so stir our hearts. To be hearts committed to you. Yielded completely. Lord, I pray that we would count the cost and say, this might cost me a friendship. But remember the truth of your word when you said, if it costs us one, you'll give us ten. It might cost me financially. But remembering the truth of your word saying that if we give, you give back abundantly. It might cost me a little status. But you said that if we will submit our lives to you, that we will be honored not only in this earth, but also in heaven. And in this earth. Lord, I pray this morning that your disciples would count the cost. They would recognize that we have a good God who always gives more back than we ever gave to start with. We give you our lives and then you give us abundant life. I want everybody to just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and I want this to be an opportunity that everybody in one instant can make a commitment. And so, if you're with me and you say, I am giving this year to the Lord. I'm placing it in his hands. I'm placing my life in his hands for the year 2023. If you're here and you say, I want to commit my life to Christ. And, and if it costs me some things, it's okay. But if you're here today and you just want to confess with me as a recommitting of myself to Christ Jesus this morning, just raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm all in. 
I'm all in. I'm committing my everything to Jesus. I am going to live for Jesus in the year 2023. Amen. You know the Lord sees your hand, but he also knows your heart. And maybe there's some things that are holding you back. You can get the victory of those things. You can get the victory of those things. But if you keep looking back, you'll never know the true fulfillment of being a complete, full follower of Jesus Christ. Let's look to him, the author, perfecter, and finisher of our faith. Lord Jesus, we love you. Look at us. We're saying we're yours, Lord. I'm all yours and I'm all in. Pour your life through me into the life of this community and our families and this world. Use us for your glory, God. For your glory is our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.